This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, I'm Alexandra. And I'm Anna, and we are the Russian Sisters. Welcome to our podcast. A show we created to talk about hard things. And also to bring some levity to your lives. Alexandra is a mom and occupational therapist. And Anna is a school counselor. And together we share our life stories. And crazy adventures. We aim to make you smile. And let you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. Enjoy our latest episode from The The Russian Russian Sisters. Sisters. everybody hello hello so great to be back with you for another episode it is summertime and summer, fun time summer mm. summertime mm. summertime <laughs> anna obviously is the musically inclined one out of the two of us i sing a lot whether or not i'm good at it i do it and i like it literally the other day literally she had a song i played her the Carolina song by Taylor Swift, because it so does good. not sound like Taylor Swift at all. I played it for her once, and then for literally for two days, every time I saw her, and I was like, could you stop? I can't. And I couldn't. I no. And Alexandra, because that's her name, she <laughs> yeah. was like, when I get an earworm, all I have to do is listen to the song again, full through, yeah. just once, and then I get it out of my head, and I'm like... No, my onetism will have me play that song over and over and over again. And then it'll be in my head. (laughs) And then I will sing another song and that will be in my head. But the first song will also be in my head. And then you're welcome. We were at the airport the other day and I was going through the security line, peon security with our sister-in-law because she and I have peon security. And that's not peon like they pee on you. That is, we are low people. And um, we don't have the pre-check. So we had to go through the long lines of security. Old school. Maybe I'll call it, instead of peon, old school security. I had this song stuck in my head. And I think I sang it out loud. Oh, this girl is on fire. I think because we were talking about how that song came on. And I was like, makes me think of being menopausal. (laughs) And so then that song was stuck in my head. And as we're going through security, I was humming it. So then when um, I put my stuff through the machine and walk through the x-ray machine and come out the other end, and I was just humming it, waiting for my stuff. And this stranger woman is like, hey, can you stop that? That's going to be stuck in my head. And she was like nice and laughing about it. But I was like, oh, so sorry. No, no, it's an earworm. It's in everybody's. You're welcome, everybody, because you're all going to be singing out in the flights. And then it's going to spread like wildflowers flower, <laughs> and fire, wildfire and flowers. Oh, boy. And it's just going to be in, in everybody's ear. You're welcome, universe. You're welcome. I feel like your singing is like my talking to myself. Oh. Because you don't recognize when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't always recognize when I'm talking to myself either. Well, and it doesn't take much. Like you could say a word of, of, I don't know, like you could say honestly. And I'd be like, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. That is true. How are you today? You say summertime and I'll bust out (laughs) in some fresh Prince of Bel-Air. No, what's his name? (laughs) Will Smith. Yeah, there you go. I'm like, Jazzy, Jazzy (laughs) Jeff. I'm like, they did Mm -hmm. some songs together. Mm Mm-hmm. 
How am I today? Yes. Obviously, I feel like I talked about this a few episodes ago. I'm feeling light, like lighter. I am really enjoying myself, the summer, the company, the travels I've been doing, we, Goose. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been enjoying the books reading Mm -hmm. and TV watching and... I'm just feeling like I have unloaded a lot. I think like toward the end of the school year, I was feeling just very heavy and bogged down and yeah. Um, like, yeah, a lot of weight. And so now I'm, yeah, it's just coming off as I'm able to just sit in the sun and get sunburned and wash, rinse, repeat. Right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're feeling lighter and flowier. Thank you. How are you? Great. Summer just keeps going. So we're, yeah, I feel like it's just kind of status quo over here. Still working on summer projects, still trying to maintain a household. Yeah. I am kind of freaking out that I only have so much time left before I have to go back to work. And there were some things that I wanted to get done, especially around my house that I, that I haven't gotten done. And I'm counting the days that I have available to do those things. And they are not that many. So I'm like, "Hmm, I'm going to have to figure out. How to get all those things done in the next few days. Well, as we've mentioned before on other episodes, you do tend to work better when it when it's, it's that crunch time. time. Yeah. 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 For sure. She will have Anna will have like all of her projects done probably in two or three days. Where it's taking me all summer to do like I one. wish. That's thank you <laughs> for saying that. That's lofty. Um I have a lot of not junk, but things like I have big ticket items in my garage that I need to go away. And a lot of people have offered a lot of great suggestions about like how I can get rid of them. But as I think I've said before, I live in a townhome community in a cul-de-sac. So I cannot just put these items out with a free sign right outside of my garage and know that people are going to come through my neighborhood and pick them up because they won't because I'm not on a major street. I'm tucked back a little bit. So I have to be creative in thinking like of what kind of organization or who can I call to come and pick this stuff up um, without having to pay an arm and a leg for it. Yeah, it's called Marketplace and you put it on there for free. I know, but then I still have to figure out logistically, like I have to be home. I feel like I have to be home um, for when I like I ha- can put the item out in front of my garage probably for a little bit of time, but I have n- crunchy neighbors, and so they would probably be stinky if and, and not in a smelly way, but they'd probably be like salty if I put stuff out there and it was out there for hours on end, and I'd probably get a letter from the HOA saying that's not okay. So I'm just very sensitive to that, especially because of my crusty neighbors. Mm. So. I just have to be a little thoughtful. And I know it just, it probably takes a phone call. And there are a lot of organizations who would come and pick stuff up. That is true. That is true. Which would delight me because I um, cleared off this big bookshelf that I have in my living room. It's one of those, you know, Ikea cube things that we all thought were cool. And they were. It was, it it served its purpose for a really good time. And now I'm over it. Now I don't want it in my living room anymore. It does not bring me joy. So it's going to bring me joy though in my garage because I feel like it'll be a good bookshelf that I can put things in there and space saver in my garage. I just don't want it in the living room anymore, but I can't do that until I clear out the things that are in the garage. That's right. That does happen. I was long winded. Yeah. Anywho, Mm -hmm. what kind of trips have you been on recently? Oh, where have I been lately, you ask? Well, (laughs) Alexandra, funny enough, you and I just came back from wine country. We did go to wine country. We went to Sonoma. 
It was wonderful. North of San Francisco, which was really cool because Alexandra was born there and I lived there for a good chunk of my childhood, Mm -hmm. which when you're a kid, that's a good chunk of your childhood. And um, so when we flew back in, I was so awestruck about everything. I haven't been back to San Francisco in over a decade. And so I was like, oh my gosh, look at this and look at that. And oh, here's Golden Gate Park and we're driving through. Oh my gosh, now we're driving over the bridge. And I was the one doing the driving, so I couldn't oogle and (laughs) ooh and ah that much. She'd be like, get out your camera. Someone take a picture. Someone. Okay, it's gone. It's gone. Anybody get that? Anybody? Okay. Maybe next time. <laughs> Meanwhile, the car that we rented has, you know, these this newfangled technology that if you start to go over the lane line into the mm. other lane, it corrects you. And not only does it beep you, but it corrects you. Like, it decides to take driving into its own hands. And I don't have Ugh. that in my car, but our sister-in-law has it in hers. And she's like, oh, you could just turn it off. And I was like, it's dark, and I'm driving on a bridge, and I have to stay in my lane, and it's already correcting. Like, I, I cannot undo this thing right now and I don't know what button it is so I just had to endure the beep beep beeping and then the auto steering it was weird I do I I am kind of freaked out by that technology just because and it's probably because I'm a control freak we all know this I'm a recovering control freak and I just the idea there are so many things I feel like that technology can do but then also can't do like we've seen this with some of the self-driving cars of like if when everything is planned and predictable, it's awesome. But when there's unpredictability, like someone steps out in front of you, a car like comes out of nowhere, the car reacts, but not necessarily in a way it needs to. So it's just weird to me that the car, I'm glad I was in the backseat and couldn't, couldn't tell this because I was like, Ooh, that would totally freak me out. It was different for sure. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah. What were your favorite parts about our trip to Sonoma? Well, it was the first trip I've taken without Buddy that wasn't necessarily work-related. I've left him before when I've gone and like spoken at conferences or had some purpose to it. So this was the first time just going with some ladies for relaxation. So that was really nice to be able to do. I read a bunch of books, which was really nice. I don't spend as much time doing that when I'm at home. I think just being able to let loose and, and be me. And it was great. We had a small group of us and... It was nice in that we did a little bit of planned stuff, a little bit of not, and everything was just cohesive and very nice. There wasn't any griping over, I want to do this, and you got everyone just kind of went with the flow, and so that was really nice. It definitely was very chill, and we stayed at an Airbnb, and mm-hmm. this house was super cute, and we all had our own rooms, which was lovely as we are older adults, and we don't have to share rooms, yes. um, and there was a little porch off the back with um, beautiful trees and fruit trees and flowers and tons of birds, and so in the mornings, that's where everyone would have their coffee, except for me, because I don't drink it. I don't either. Oh, yeah, you didn't have coffee either. You had a morning <laughs> fizz. Yeah, so like we would just take our time in the mornings and we weren't rushed to get anywhere and then we did we did a wine tour on one day so we were gone all day and we were driven around by a guy named Andy mm-hmm. who wrote a book about wine so he has been I should doing see this. if I can find that and link it yeah yeah he was super cool and knowledgeable and um hard of hearing a little bit so we had to be we had to ask questions really loudly but he was a very cool guy and gave us lots of recommendations for where to eat in Sonoma and things to do and 
Um, he was just, yeah, he used to work in education, which was a lot of fun, um, because several of us work in education and, you know, had that connection. But yeah, we just learned a lot from him and he created this little manual for only his tour buses. Like he works for this company, but if you go on Andy's tour, you get this laminated book all about wine and grapes and varieties and varietals and soil and tannins and all the things. And so that was a great introduction before we actually started going in and sipping wine. Yeah, it was great. He did such a good job. Very knowledgeable, as Anna said. And we had a combination of one of the wineries we went to was very, very small, um, but known in the area. And that was really cool. I can link those because we went... I'd have to think about the names. I can't do it on the spot. But what was really nice, I think, for me is that the older I get, no one likes that phrase, but man, it sure does come handy. Um, I just don't tolerate alcohol anymore. And and that's fine. It's probably better for me health-wise. But sometimes it's nice to be able to enjoy a glass of wine. And so having more organic wines that have a shorter shelf life that are more pure and the sugars, there aren't as many sugars and it's just having just stuff that you can't get normally, which is also, I mean, it's smart. It's a racket. It's smart how they do this. Come have this really good wine. The only way you can get it is through our membership club. And I'm like, I don't drink enough wine to be in a membership club, but, um, but it was really nice just to enjoy and just go at a slower pace and yeah. Yeah, and the other way they got us, which was pretty common everywhere we went, is with um, the tasting cost a certain amount of money, but they were willing to waive the tasting fee with a purchase of at least two bottles of wine. So not one bottle of wine, which was more than the tasting was, but but two bottles of wine, then they'd waive the tasting fee. We found ourselves doing that pretty often too, but it's nice because I think we came home with some really great bottles of wine. I would agree with that. It was just an overall lovely trip. One, I'd love to have an annual trip sans children just for a few days to get away. And I think everyone appreciated that. Although I said it several times and everyone was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I was like, just wait till next year. Everyone's going to be ready for another trip. Oh, heck yeah. And it was nice because in the evenings we'd come back and set ourselves up and we had our spots in the living room and we each bought our books and just hung out, read our books, chatted with each other. And it was just very relaxed. Yeah, I think at one point everyone else fell asleep (laughs) and I was still reading and it was just kind of of funny. I like look around and be like, okay, all right. Yeah. I mean, I have sleep issues anyway, but I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep reading. Yeah. I like naps. You, I I wish that I liked them. Sometimes they happen to me and I go, ah, I don't, I didn't want to nap, but I'll nap on a plane though. Getting from point A to point B. Yeah. So we ended our trip to Sonoma. We flew out of San Francisco and so we had to drive back south to the airport. So we stopped in the city at Fisherman's Wharf and a couple of us got the clam chowder and a sourdough bread bowl, which was delicious. Ate up some bread saw the sights in a very quick manner, got some Ghirardelli ice cream, and then down to the airport it was. Yeah. It was pretty well-oiled trip, I should say. So we we talked about how we brought books, and um, I'm making my way through several books, which I love airplane time for. Is there anything else that you like to read on an airplane? Well, not sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes I like to read some magazines, catch up on uh, the headlines. See what, what's going on there. What about you? 
I used to. I used to buy magazines all the time. So when I was flying back and forth from Colorado to DC for to and from college, or I was doing a lot more traveling back then, I used to buy like People Magazine and Cosmo were my two big magazines that I would buy just so I can keep up to date on things. I am so out of touch with pop culture nowadays. When I look at a People Magazine, I don't know who the majority of the people are yeah. anymore. Me neither. Yeah, so it's not as fun for me to get those magazines, but I think it is a fun indulgence to do on a, on occasion. Well, and one of the gals that was with us loves those magazines, especially during travel. So um, I got her a few of those because um, she was joking that she likes to do the crossword puzzles and her mom would always do them before she could get the magazine. <laughs> so so I was like, here you go. I didn't touch them. What I laugh about is I don't, I don't really watch or listen to the news. I can't. It just hurts my soul. But I will flip through headlines sometimes. And the headlines that I tend to be most curious about usually come from People Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I don't know these people. And people are like, oh, look at this couple. And I'm like, who are they? Where did Who are these people? Are you an actor? Are you a, a musician? No, it could just be an influencer. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I don't really. I mean, I know what that means, but I don't really pay attention to that. Yeah. And I also don't watch TV. Um, right. I don't have cable. And so I, I really don't watch shows like I used to on ABC, NBC or CBS, right? Channel, uh, the major channels that we have and all the sitcoms or the drama shows that are on. I, re- I just don't watch them like I used to two decades ago. Um, and so I'm very... I'm very particular and I like go to Netflix and I pick out my documentaries or, or shows that have been recommended. And so I, I know about the people that are in those, but yeah, just general knowledge about celebrities anymore. I'm really out of touch. I like the app IMDB, I will say, because I do like looking up info or if I'm like, wait, who's that actor or what? I like looking that stuff up. Um, but the other day I was just went down a horrible rabbit hole because one of the ads that popped up in IMDB was like, look at all these like couples um, and they're supposed to be like the staunch couples of Hollywood. I don't know, but I started flipping through and what I found was one, they repeated couple, like they made it look like it was over a hundred couples, but they just repeated the same ones over and over weird. And then a lot of them, I was like, I don't know who you are. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Repeat, I mean, I repeat. did, I did see that JLo and Ben Affleck got married. They did. So she's JLo Affleck now. She is, mm-hmm. and they got married in Vegas. They did, yeah. yeah. So I saw that, and I was like, "Huh." So that happened. So I, I guess when it comes to celebrities that are more my age or my my era, I'm yeah. like, "Oh, I recognize you," and cool. Yeah, like Ryan Reynolds kept coming up, and I was like, "Oh, yes, power couple. That's what they're called, power couples." Well, and when Alexandra bought the magazines, I was like, oh, that's so funny. And and so for this episode, I was like, oh, we should totally do some Cosmo quizzes or something. And then I opened up um, Cosmo, the Cosmopolitan site, to mm-hmm. look at the quizzes specifically because those were always interesting to me. Well, interesting and also embarrassing. Like you'd open up to that page in your magazine on a plane and you kind of have to narrow it down because you didn't want the other people sitting around you to see that you were reading a sex quiz. <laughs> you just or, didn't want them, want them to see your answers. <laughs> asking about orgasms or how she likes it or he likes it. And when I was in my 20s, that just seemed like such an okay thing to read sort of yeah. on the airplane or read about. And now I probably would never. I mean, I'd it's be really, like... How your partner knows about your soul depended on your sex positions. What? (laughs) 
So I open up the Cosmopolitan quiz site, and I'm really underwhelmed by the the mm. quizzes. I but they when I was 20 in my 20s, I probably would have been like, oh, let's see. One of the quizzes is, or one of the articles is 36 signs you are in love the millennial way. So I'm probably going to have to dive in that because I don't even know what that means. Like, what does it mean to be in love the millennial well, way? I guess I, I'm on the cusp. I'm a zennial, so I'm on the cusp of millennials. So uh, maybe I can give you some insight. I don't know what it means, but but we could do that quiz. and Or not that quiz. That's an article. We'll have to find out. Yes. And... Well, maybe it is a quiz after all. I didn't click on the link, but um, it talks about Instagram just in the subtitle. So is that is that how we know we're in love? Oh, Instagram. So it used to be that your relationship was legit if you changed your relationship status on Facebook. But maybe now it's um, how you post on Instagram that shows the legitimacy of your relationship. I need to figure out how to use Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That one I can help you with. Matt, I keep saying I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to do it so we can post about our show. I'm going to do it. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. I think that one's on my list of things to do. Oh, we'll get back on there. Like, it's all I could do if I could, like, change my profile pic on Facebook. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundle, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Maybe I should learn or read this article to learn the ways of the millennial. But anyway, so the very next quiz underneath it is bra or bikini. The line between swimwear and lingerie is blurry AF. And we know what AF means. It's a cuss word and I won't say it today. But I thought like how, right? Like then on this magazine are people in lingerie and swimwear, which in the grand scheme of things isn't necessarily a bad thing. However, I just watched the documentary on Hulu about Victoria's Secret. Oh. Angels or Demons or Angels and Demons. Victoria's Secret, Angels and Demons, maybe it is. It was hard to interesting, right? And and I learned a bit about the store and just about Les Wexler, who owned not just Victoria's Secret, but also a number of other mall stores. And it was... Wasn't a, it attached to... Banana, is it part of the Banana limited, Republic? Oh, limited. Abercrombie and Fitch. So there was another oh, okay. documentary about Abercrombie and Fitch recently. Got it. But there was this a bunch of stores, and he made a lot of money. But ultimately, it came down to how... Like, there were two men at the top of the company, him being one, He had a lot of women executives who would bring ideas to him about, especially in the um, 2000s and then the 20 teens, about how 
what women want it was changing and no longer wanted to be these sex symbols and what is sexy, the definition of sexy and how that has changed over time and with women being more empowered and not wanting to be bamboozled or mansplained too, as you talked about in our last episode. But they would bring these ideas and very smart women would bring these ideas which would have kept the store going and would have made it still very popular but the two men at the top turned down all their ideas because they didn't identify with the woman's idea of sexy and they just wanted to keep selling what men right. felt was sexy. Which doesn't with, exist to the degree that correct. men Correct. And that's the point they made over and over and over in the documentary is this is a tiny percent of the population. This fantasy that you're selling is just making your models and other women feel bad about themselves. And so then sales were declining. Like, And then with internet shopping and everything, people just weren't going into the store for that experience anymore. It's a, it's a pretty decent documentary. And then they tie it to because Jeffrey Epstein then had ties mm. and, and with less and then it just went down that whole thing and then also became the the downfall really of the store and they stopped doing the victoria's uh secret like there was a runway show and they quit doing angels it's interesting because i think i'm hearing that there's a large movement that's kind of shifting right now in general with how people relate to each other which i know might seem the opposite specifically with what's been going on socially and politically in the U.S. specifically. But we're moving away from that. More and more people are moving away from this patriarchal dictatorship of business and kind of switching to more of the empowerment and how do you empower people. And there's still lots of industries that buy into this patriarchal, obviously, as Anna alluded to in our last episode, talking about that company that I went through with how they did not treat me very well, but it was still this like, I am man, so I'm going to dictate to woman how this goes. And I think there's a big shift that's happening and a lot of people aren't putting up with that anymore. And while these men are holding on to these ideas and being like, nope, we're going to be staunch in this, they, I think, are slowly being pushed out. And the way that they're being pushed out is because their businesses aren't going to do as well. And people don't have to put up with it. It used to be that you had to put up with it. Like if there's something, and I've said this before to companies where I'm like, I came to you for a product. So you now in turn are going to treat me or create whatever policies you think you can to just take advantage of me because there's something I need from you. And I think because more and more people are becoming entrepreneurial, more and more people are coming up with their ideas, you don't have that. Um, The monopolization isn't there as much anymore. And also I think business is changing that people value relationship more than they do necessarily the deal or the product. Don't get me wrong, getting a deal on a product is great, but I think people are really looking more for that relationship and trying to, I feel like the pendulum is hopefully going to be swinging back to that higher customer service, having more of that relationship rather than kind of the factory of, we just need our stuff. Well, and I think back from a marketing perspective, when I was in my 20s, like probably in college and then in my 20s. And back then, Victoria's Secret was all the rage. For me, they were very expensive lingerie, but it was also like a symbol or status. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, if I, and for them, right, they're like, we're making lingerie affordable. But for me, I was like, this is a lot of money for a bra. But it was something that I wanted to do anyway. And I I felt like this 
pressure, not that anybody else was putting this pressure on me, but my friends were shopping there. And so I was like, oh, there was this comfortable style that I liked. And so I wanted to be able to afford that. So I was willing to put money aside for that and buy into the whole thing that they created. So I, I was that lemming for them. I was exactly who they were marketing to for a while. And now that I am earning more, I'm, I'm not at all interested in shopping there. I'm interested in shopping, just like you said, for a company that I think we talked about this last time too, that is more interested in me as a human, or at least that's what they portray and not 100% bottom line. Like right. sure, like it's a business. They're there to make money, um, not necessarily to make me feel good about myself, but there are a lot of companies run by women anymore or people of color who are like, nope, we're taking the reins into our own hands and you old white man don't get to dictate what is cool or what is sexy or what I need to be shopping for, what I should be comfortable in or what I should look like. We've kind of em- embraced our own thing and and now I have options for where I want to go to get that. Absolutely. And I think I think that whole point about like the sex appeal is that that's also subjective and unfortunately you know the idea and we talked about this when we read that book more than a body is that unfortunately people like the owners um, who started Victoria's Secret continue to perpetuate this idea that if women do not fit into this ideal then it's something wrong with that woman. There's something that she's not doing versus taking it as that we're all made in different shapes and sizes and that is okay and we're all beautiful even in our different shapes and sizes and that you're not less than, which is something I still struggle with all the time because I've been, I've grown up with all of the messaging of like, this is what you're supposed to look like if you're going to be loved and considered sexy and you're going to find a mate. And as I've said, like I am a hetero woman, so you know, that's what it's been. And if you don't fit into that, then men aren't going to find you attractive. You're not going to be able to find a mate. You know, it's those kinds of ideas. And I actually heard someone talking about this the other day about how safety was the main thing between men and women in general is like your survival is what perpetuated and and drove people in their life. So, you know, you had to be accepted by your tribe. You had to outrun other people and there are all, all these mechanisms of that survival mode, but we don't have those kinds of issues anymore. Like we can have our homes and we have ways to stay safe and without having to, conform to these ideas in order to be accepted by our tribes, if that makes sense. And so the whole mentality around humanity is in the middle of a big shift right now is my point. I know that was like a really big tangent, but it's in a big shift to hopefully change that. It's going to take, it's going to continue to take time for us to change these mentalities. But I love that these women were willing to stand up and say no. And hopefully from this, people broke off and started their own companies or had their own ideas and felt empowered. One of the things that made me most sad that I learned from this documentary is because of the ties to people that were trafficking humans from all over the world and in the U.S., people who were taking advantage of the girls and the women modeling, people who were sexually harassing, is because of the ties, the financial ties that they had to Les Wexler at the top, that when I bought a bra at Victoria's Secret... 
the money, whether it was my dollar exactly, but the idea that my money was then going and being used by someone who was human trafficking and sexually harassing makes me want to vomit. Like it's, it's so gross and so disgusting. And, um, I like when I see the, the chains, the only two chains that are open anymore, um, under this one company are Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works. And so I was like, done. I'm done. I don't, I don't need to shop there anymore. I did just buy these little hand sanitizer things at a Bath and Body Works the other day. And, <laughs> and they had a deal like five for how many ever dollars. And I was like, okay, they're cool. And I will use them at work. But no, I don't need to buy my hand sanitizer there. The company right after, after this and at the end of the documentary, they talk about how they too late tried to change their image and they don't have angels anymore. But now they have this whole diverse crew of people from all sorts of backgrounds and shapes and sizes. And uh, um, they ask the question, like, is it a little too little too late? Like, yay, you joined the bandwagon. You're really trying to turn things around and show that you are for the people, but is it a little too late now? Okay, Les Wexler isn't that he stepped down and he retired, but they said, he made more than two million billion dollars after he stepped down. So he's still making raking in the money, saying he didn't know any of that stuff was happening. Bullshit. But um, I could go on a rant about it, but I won't. This all stemmed from you buying magazines and me thinking I wanted to do a cosmopolitan <laughs> quiz. And then I was like, really, we have to talk about bras or bikinis and how thin is that line anymore? And how do women feel about themselves? And how are little girls growing up? What images are they seeing that is perfection? And what standards do they see? Now what's interesting, and I'm going to rabbit trail here for just a second, is that while we don't have the store's in the malls in our face anymore and we don't have that experience these young people like our nieces get to grow up with social media and that's a whole I mean it's the same thing just in a different platform I was joking with our group in Sonoma because we were having a discussion about men having best friends and what that looks like or having close friends like the ladies do and we go we might vent about what's going on in our relationship and it's not meant to change anything just maybe to let it blow off some steam I mean I had encouraged Sean the same thing like if you feel like you can't talk to me go to your friend it backfired in my particular situation but normally and literally the next day and my phone was not around me I will say this my phone was not like literally in front of me it was not far from me, but it was not next to me. And literally the next day, there was a headline and an ad that popped up for why men don't have close friends. And I was like, what? I mean, they're being tracked all the time. And like our kids in middle school and even younger are getting phones and you're being tracked. And so that's why like I laugh when people are like, my privacy. Cause I'm like, if you have a cell phone, you ain't got privacy. <laughs> like you just don't have that because you are being tracked. There are ads in the subliminal messaging. Like I, learned maybe to, I mean, buddy's three, but I started turning off commercials on the radio because he's still getting subliminal messages by it. And I'm like, nope, we're not going to listen to it because I don't want to set up and I can't control that for every, he's going to see them. He's going to be exposed to them. But I, I, what I'm hoping to curb is his desire for things based on hearing these commercials all the time. And it makes sense that our nieces look at YouTube videos. What do you have before a YouTube video? You have an ad. There's always going to be, like now with technology, we are just inundated with that when it used to be a little bit less. And so they're still going to have that. I mean, we've heard 
our nieces and other young girls talk about how their body image already. And, you know, by the time you're in middle school and how it impacts and it's just, it is very frustrating to sit here. And then, like you said, old white man, just trying to dictate it because it's about money and connection and, and power see, and power. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what they think they can do with that power. Ooh, it makes my stomach turn. All so, from a Cosmo quiz. You well, guys. and so <laughs> moral of this story is we are not going to do a quiz from Cosmo because I was like, no, they're they're gross. Maybe I'll look at the 36 signs you're in love the millennial way and I'll come back to you <laughs> next time and let you know what that was about. But I'm yeah, I'm not interested in these other things. I'm like it. Well, because it would totally go against the right. The book that we right. read before the Al talked about and the objectification of humans. And I'm like, I won't do it and I won't use this podcast to do it either. I think I'm kind of surprised actually that Cosmo still does that given what we've talked about of other industries and other companies that are starting to like, like Dove was one of, although we've talked about Dove and how their campaign, like they meant well, but it, it actually didn't actually help the problem <laughs> for body image. But you know, people have started all these campaigns and then to see like Cosmo still has it, get those teens and, and people in their twenties, especially females. But what's interesting when we're talking about like the getting the magazines and the airport and and Cosmo and like 12 year olds just thinking about it. And I know, bear with me, guys, on this transition. Did you hear or read the story about the 12 year old who got lost in the airport? No. Well, I thought it was the person 12. Tell me about it. Because I thought I saw something that they were supposed to have like a chaperone and then and lost you the do child. and I and I don't know exactly what the age cutoff is but I know that if you're like we had two uh we had a set of sisters that um boarded our plane and, and they were younger they and it looks like one of them was probably like teenage ish maybe maybe yeah yeah maybe 13 um and then the other one was younger it made um, me think of our nieces almost exactly well, and you and I flew yes. from San Francisco yep. to Pennsylvania when I I was five, right? Yeah. That's when we left. Yeah. Um, so we were little. We, yeah. And, yeah. And I don't remember us having a companion because now with the, but, but that was also back in the day when you couldn't go up to the gate. Like you can't, right. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. We yeah, had remember people that. meeting us. We had people taking us, like our family taking us to the gate and then our family picking us up at the gate. Yeah. Now, well, and when we arrived in Denver, I think it was their dad that met them at like and at heard you the can plane. Get, like he wasn't yes. even just at the gate. He like came down and met them at the door. Yeah. I've heard that as a parent, you can get a voucher or something that lets you through if you are trying to collect a minor. Yeah. But yes. So this, this girl was going from Georgia to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, apparently she does this quite often. Her dad is in Florida. Her mom is in Georgia and she, Flies back and forth, but they usually have a companion. So someone from the airline who takes her to make sure that she's on the plane, she's set, and then takes her from the plane to her person. Um, but apparently when she got to Miami, they just told her to get off the plane. What? <laughs> and um, did not accompany her to her person. What? Yes. So she she had to find her way from the gate to baggage claim? By herself? By herself. And she ended up finding her dad. Um, I'm trying to read if she had like a phone or called anyone, but they it's like, they're supposed to have an escort basically. 
So I guess she did have a phone. So she was FaceTime. And Miami airport is huge. Right. Right. Like so. And I don't know where in Georgia if it was Atlanta, but Atlanta airport, huge. Right. And so you can't, you know, there are some airports where it's like, here's your international terminal. Here's your United terminal here. Like Denver usually does that, but not every airport does that. So I have flown into airports where I might fly the same airline, but I will be at a different terminal every time. So her dad used FaceTime to help navigate her through Miami airport in order to find him. I'd be pissed. They have tramps. Like I'm even thinking like San Francisco for us to get to our rental car. You had to take a tram. You had, it wasn't very straightforward. Like they had signs and stuff, but if you're 12 and kids don't learn maps right now, right? Like they don't learn that stuff anymore. Even in Denver, you have to take a train. You do. Yeah. Yeah. And like getting through security and stuff. So she eventually was reunited with her dad, obviously, but not with any help from the airline. And they're like, whoops, we made a mistake. Uh, that would turn because I've thought about that with like Buddy when he gets older. If he's gonna go visit like his uncle who is in California or his brother or something, like, oh, I would totally maybe at some point feel comfortable putting him on a plane by himself to go. But that would, I mean, especially because the policies are so strict about getting through security and being able to do all that. Like, come on, people. Come on. Well, and they the the girls who were on our flight ended up sitting um, across the row from or in our row, but across the aisle from where we were sitting. And um, we asked we once again on this flight asked the person in in the middle um, if they would move and take my seat so I could sit next to my sister and and our friend. Um, And so this man ends up sitting next to these two girls. And like, I swear the entire flight, I was watching him like a hawk. Like he could have been the nicest person on the planet. I don't know. I, and then I felt bad because I I would have been sitting next to them had we not asked them to switch. But yeah, then I was like this grizzly mama, like these two kids are traveling by themselves. And because of the stories that you hear and the headlines you read about like, people taking advantage of kids or women on, on flights or just the crazy things that have happened. I was like, I did not rest well. She did. She did. (laughs) Like I need to make sure these girls get to their person. I have like my hood up and I'm trying to sleep and she's like Hawkeye trying to to check on them. Where are his hands? What are they doing? It was all fine and well, but I would definitely, yeah, I was definitely keeping an eye on them whether or not they liked it. Last time we, I mentioned that I sometimes keep my phone not in airplane mode when we fly. Most of the time, (laughs) um, even though they tell me that I need to put it into airplane mode. And I was like, I don't know why. Like, they don't give me an explanation of why I need to do that. And so, and I'm a big why person. Um, I, I am a rule follower, but I also need to know, like, why? What is what is the purpose behind? Why are you asking me to put this into airplane mode? And they never tell me. And so I'm like, then I'm just not going to do it in case something happens and I need to communicate with somebody. So um, Alexandra and I looked up for everybody, mostly for myself, why I need to put my phone into airplane mode. And um, when I Googled it, a thing pops up that say FCC regulations ban the use of cell phones on planes in order to protect against radio interference to cell phone networks on the ground. So basically, if I keep my phone not in airplane mode, then my phone the entire trip is connecting to all the cell phone towers that were passing on the ground. Whereas if you use the airplane Wi-Fi, that's a satellite Wi-Fi. So there's no interference. Now, some of the articles suggest that the waves um, may interfere with the airplane's 
stuff and like their their um, tools and whatnot that help to navigate and keep me safe. But the U.S. is the only place where they still ban cell phone usage. You can use your cell phone in Europe. You can text and make calls still. Here's how I feel about that. I could care less if you're going to use your phone, depending on how you use it. I would be really frustrated if I'm on a red eye or if I'm flying and my kid has just fallen asleep or something and then someone hops on a call. Like that would just... And I understand people have voice conversations like amongst themselves. Yeah. But for the most part, planes tend to be pretty quiet and, and people enjoy that. And so, cause I, I had one flight one time with buddy where this guy behind me was watching a foreign film. Totally fine. I think it was in French, but he had the volume up cause he was hard of hearing. It was literally where his tray table was, was like right where Buddy and I were sitting. He was right behind us. And I eventually had to ask the flight attendant, like, is there any way you guys can give him some headphones? I don't care if you're going to watch your movie. But it was so loud that I even put in my earbuds to watch something and couldn't hear with my earbuds in. Yikes. So, I, yeah, I think it's fine. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a way, another ploy, to try and get people to use the Wi-Fi on the plane. Maybe. Like, the, the articles were saying, and they're pretty recent, they were saying that there right now is no way for anybody to know, like, hey, you in seat 29A, turn your phone to airplane mode. They don't know that. Yeah. Um, but they do have CCTV on airplanes, and so there are tiny cameras <laughs> monitoring. And so I suppose if someone's watching the cameras... Um, you know, they, they say there's no one really monitoring and they're not in all the sections, but um, there might be cameras in some of the sections. And if they happen to like glance and see oh, that you're on your phone, um, brother. they can ask you to turn it to airplane mode or, you know, have the pilots make an announcement and ask again just to have people turn their phones into airplane mode. How but, can you tell, though, because I download shows and stuff and then watch them on my phone i don't know it has something to do with the waves the waves. There's, there's science behind it i oh. don't know but i am a law-abiding citizen and so okay i will put it into airplane mode and if for whatever reason i need to um connect with someone right like i'm at thirty-six thousand feet i can't even when it's not in airplane mode i have no service i can't call anybody even though like if you're on an international flight you can use the VoIP if you really needed to but not on domestic flights in the U.S. it's just still outlawed and so I suppose if I if there was an emergency I could turn off airplane mode and then make my text or call or whatever um, so yeah it, I, I guess it's the law so I'm gonna do it all right good for you good for you yeah what else were you looking up to follow up for our Listeners. Well, we talked about hummingbird feeders we and did. should they not be red? It turns out that hummingbirds are attracted to the color of red. So you could have like a red hummingbird feeder, but it sounds like a lot of people were putting red dye into the water to attract the hummingbird or make it like, here, hummingbird, come here and drink the water. But that could actually be harmful to the hummingbird. So you could have a red hummingbird feeder, but do not put red dye into the water. Is this like red dye 40, which they say don't give to well, children and don't consume right. because of the adverse effects, but give it to the hummingbirds. Yes. <laughs> this, this, Wild Bird Sun Limited, I'm going to give you this um, set in the little snippet that's on Google. Admittedly, oh, it says, admittedly, there is no scientific proof that red dye number 40 definitely harms hummingbirds. 
Oh, man. So that's because they just die, and then we can't tell why. They're, exactly. They're studying <laughs> it, but I don't know. So just don't, don't use the red dye in the food. You can have a red feeder, but not in the food or in the water. Okay? I found some cute ones. I just got to see which one I want and where I want to put it. Well, I'm excited. And then you'll learn like whether or not they're hummingbirds or hummingbird moss. Yeah. I'm really excited for you. Oh, thanks. You know, still working on the projects. Um, so since our next trip involves perhaps getting out on a boat on the water. Oh, yes. Um, I have a Sean T. Wyman joke of the day for you. Let's do it. Are you ready for it? Well, I'm always ready for them, but I never answer them correctly. But yeah, can <laughs> but you I'm ever ready. really be ready for a dad joke? I I'm ready know. to groan. I'm ready. All right, here's here we go. Where do you take a sick boat? Oh, I don't know. To the dock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! Boy. Oh, that's just. Like, I'm gonna keep. T- saying jokes every time because yeah. they get they get me you, they give me a little chuckle and I you, hope they do for you as well you are not alone <laughs> and you are welcome grown away grown away <laughs> you guys we love you thanks for joining us for another episode subscribe if you want to hear when episodes drop yep or Refer download us. them if you want to listen to them on an airplane yes down, yeah take us with you on your trips yes we like traveling we, we like adventures we do and we like to take you with us we also love you so we hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you soon bye bye thanks for listening to the russian sisters to connect with them go to the russiansisters.com produced and distributed by the sound off media company I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.